you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter number 7 is where we will be, Joshua chapter number 7, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to talk about a subject this morning that is not really that popular, Uh, it's not one that we like to talk about, and I will tell you what the subject did, it's on sin. You know, that's just not one that we often like to spend a lot of time on, uh, especially when it comes to that subject. I guess probably when you look at Joshua chapter number 7, the children of Israel have had a great victory in Jericho, and uh, as they continue to make their path on into the land of Canaan, and as they make their journey into the land of Canaan, one of the things that happens and one of the things that takes place is all of a sudden they're going to run into a major defeat. I guess if you were to place a title on Joshua chapter 7, it would probably be something like this, the sin that troubled a nation. It brought an entire nation to a standstill, to a stopping point on their way of conquering and entering into the land of Canaan, into a land that God had promised to them. They saw a tremendous victory in Jericho. Uh, Joshua, under the leadership of God, following God in everything that God specified with the children of Israel as they made their way across the Jordan River. They find themselves into the land of Canaan, and the first stop along the way was Jericho. And many of us know the results of the battle of Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down, marched around the walls of Jericho, based upon the direction that God gave to them. And understanding that this, they're marching around, there was no need of weapons or anything else because God was going to give them the victory in Jericho. And that's exactly what God did. But we come to Joshua chapter 7 and verse number 1, and I want you to notice now, as things change drastically, chapter 7 and verse number 1, but the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully, In regard to the things under the ban, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Well, what was that ban? What was that thing, that that stuff that they were not supposed to, to, to be a part of, that they were not supposed... Uh, to bring into the camp. We'll go back to chapter 6 and look at verse 17 and you'll find it listed here of what God specifically told them not to do. The city shall be under the ban. It and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot and all of those who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the ban and make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. But all of the silver and the gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. That was, that was the ban. That was what was there. And as a result of what has happened and after what has occurred, 
we see the individual who was responsible for this listed actually in verse 1 of chapter 7, and his name is Achan. You know, sin is a subject that is often avoided today, even, even among churches, even among believers. It's just something, it's a subject we just do not like to go there because oftentimes it's a messy subject. Uh, one of the things that often occur, occurs and comes from that is when you start walking down that path and dealing with the issue of sin, we oftentimes find ourselves with this attitude of we should not be judgmental of each other when it comes to the things that we do in our lives. Sin should not be something that is spoken of or called out. Sin is not something that should be a major portion of our lives because we always hear this phrase, well, I'm under grace, so it really doesn't matter. Well, let me share something with you today. Just because you're a believer and you've been saved by the grace of God does not give you a license to live however you want to live. And so there are things and there are, there, are, there are things that are contained in the Word of God that is so important and so specific when it comes to this issue and when it comes to this subject. And so as, as we think about this and as we consider this, how do we deal with it? How do, how do we handle it? Within our, let me tell you something. There was a day, there used to be a day many years ago where sin would be dealt with inside of the church. Matter of fact, there was something that used to be practiced inside of churches. It was called church discipline. And it was a part of the landscape of churches. But today, it's one of those things that's just not a part of, of churches. It's not a part of what we do anymore. And so, therefore, sin... And here's the other problem that we have with the issue of sin, is who determines what sin is? Well, it may, it may be sin for you, but it may not necessarily be sin for me. And so the whole issue so, uh, uh, surrounds that, and that is the issue of sin and what sin is. And let me say this to you this morning. Sin, sin is difficult for many believers to even talk about. I mean, I, I, I don't want to expose there may be some things in my life and in my heart that, that God knows about that I, I just really don't want to expose. I just I don't want it to be a part of who I am. And so therefore, when we get together as believers or we find ourselves uh, in an accountability relationship with someone, you know, let me tell you something. We all want to make it look on the outside like we've got it all together. That, you know, that sin's not a part of our life. It's, it's something that we don't struggle with in our lives every day. But let me share something with you. Every one of us, I don't care who you are in this building, including myself, we all struggle with the issue of sin. And one of the things I can say about sin, sin has its consequences. And sin will prevent us from experiencing the things that God has for us. Look at what happens in Joshua chapter number 7. And it's very clear and it's very plain. Because they were given specific instructions by God. They elected not to follow after them. And as a result of that, they experienced the consequences that came as a result of that sin. There are three things that I want to share with you out of this passage this morning. Out of Joshua chapter 7, uh, from verse 1 all the way through verse 26. The first one is this. As we read through the text this morning, I want you to notice something very clear when it comes to sin. Sin brings about defeat. Sin brings about defeat. 
Let's pick it up in verse number 2 as we read through verse number 5. And I want you to notice what happens. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and they, sp- they spied out Ai. Sounds very familiar. Remember Joshua and Caleb back when they were in the wilderness and Joshua and Caleb, along with ten other spies, went into the land of Canaan to spy out the land of Canaan. Well, we have another incident here where Joshua says, all right, I want you to take some men and I want you to go up and I want you to spy out Ai. Verse number three, they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up. Only about two or 3,000 men need go up to Ai. Don't make all the people toil up there, for they are few. So about 300 men from the people went up there, or 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Let me say one thing about sin. Sin always brings about defeat. Sin should be something that bothers us as a believer. Sin, unconfessed sin in our lives should be something that bothers us. And let me say this to you this morning. If it doesn't bother you, then there may be a deeper issue here. But sin, that, that, that breaks that relationship, that alters, that affects that relationship that we have between us and God, it's called sin. That's what it is. And I know we've come up with all of these different definitions today. Well, it's not really sin. It's more of a disease. Well, it's not really a sin. It's, it's not their fault. It's not something that, that they should be blamed for. It's, this, this is not sin anymore. We've characterized it all in these other categories today. So therefore, we get to the point in our lives after a while where sin is just not much sin anymore. But sin is a critical aspect when it comes to evaluating our own hearts and lives in our relationship with God. To understand that sin, unconfessed sin in our lives can bring about defeat for us spiritually. We struggle and oftentimes we wonder why. We wonder why we don't see victory. We wonder why things just always seem to be a struggle. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever just got alone and sit down and say, okay, God, I, I, I understand that there's, there's something in my heart and life, and I will say this to you as well. Most of the time, we know what it is. We know what it is. But you know, a lot of times it's hard to admit it. Huh? Isn't it? It's hard to admit it. It's hard for us to, you know, it's like this. You know, I, I remember growing up as a boy, I, I, I never could understand that. I just never could understand this. I never could understand how in the world, by the end of the day, if I had been involved in anything at all that was not where I should be, my dad knew about it before we got home. I just never could figure that out. And I can remember, I can remember this sitting at the dinner table 
we're all sitting around there, my brother and I, and my mom and dad were sitting around, and, and we're eating, and we get just about finished eating, and I'm thinking, whew, made it. And all of a sudden, dad looks down the table, and here's what he said. Anything you boys need to come clean with. And he never just singled us out. He said, anything you boys need to come clean with. And here's one of the tough things about that is, is understanding. And matter of fact, you start playing back in your mind, where was I at? What was I involved? Did I, did I do something that I shouldn't have done? And I will tell you this, most of the time, you already knew before dad ever asked you. You ready for this one? God already knows what it is before we ever go to him about it. God sees our heart. And so, therefore, the secret things, all of those things in our life, those things that no one on the outside may see, but it's those things that are on the inside that affects the relationship that we have with the Father. And that sin can bring about defeat in our lives if we're not careful. Number two, here's something else that sin brings about. Sin brings about discouragement as well. Look at verse 6 through verse 15 and notice what happens here. Then Joshua tore his clothes and he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. Both he and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. You know when you... When you drop back up to verse 5, the end of verse number 5, notice the hearts of the people. They melted and became as water. Watch this discouragement as it begins to process. Look at verse number 7. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Verse 7 is tough. Verse 7, 8, and 9. It's tough to get your hands around because I'm going to tell you something. We're going to see a side of Joshua that we have not seen yet up to this point. And I want you to notice what happens with Joshua as a result of this. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan? Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Remember when they were in the wilderness? Why in the world, God, did you bring us into this wilderness? Would to God we'd have stayed in Egypt. Guess what Joshua says? Oh, Lord God, why in the world did you bring this people across on this side of the Jordan? Only to deliver us, verse 7, into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had... Look, Joshua, what happened? What, what happened? What happened with Joshua? There's sin in the camp. An individual who has committed this sin in the camp, has tried to hide it, has tried to make it... Uh, in, in, into, the, into the area where no one else can see what's going on, they go up against this little place of Ai. After coming off a tremendous victory in Jericho, they get run out of Ai. 36 men are killed as a result of it. The people's hearts have melted, and now you hear Joshua laying out before God. Would to God we'd have just stayed in Jericho or in Jordan, on the other side of the Jordan. Why? Yet this is the same Joshua, the same one who led them into the land of Canaan, led them across the Jordan River. Yes, that same Joshua. 
But what happened? Well, let's look at the next verse. Oh, Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it. And they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? I love this next part. You know what God tells Joshua? Get up, son. Get up, son. You know, oftentimes we experience defeat and we experience discouragement in our lives when I'm going to tell you something, at the end of the day, it's not time to fall on our face before God and, and start laying all, it's time to get up and do something about it. And that's exactly where they are. God says, Joshua, get up, son. Now is not the time to be on your face praying. You know what the problem is. You know what the issue is. There's sin in the camp. And my dear friend, we experience defeat and we experience discouragement more because of sin that we allow to run rampant in our lives instead of dealing with it and confessing it and coming clean before God. How can we expect anything more? How can we expect anything else when that relationship between us and the Father is not where it should be. And let me say something to you this morning. Even in our own lives today, what can we draw out of this passage of Scripture in our own lives today and where we are? Let me share with you just a couple of things. Where, when we find ourselves in the middle of a tragedy or a difficulty is the wrong time to wonder if our relationship with God is where it ought to be. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. One of the things that we need to make sure that we do in our lives is keep a short account of sin. I used to try to do that. Keep, you know, Growing up as a boy, you don't want to get that list to get too long. Okay, You want to make sure that every night that everything's clean. So you wake up the next day, you're good to go. Okay. So why do we, why do we keep them inside of us when God knows about them? God already does. How, how long do we need to suffer defeat? How long do we need to experience discouragement in our lives? Simply because, let me tell you something. One of the toughest things, here's what we often do when we pray. <clears throat> Father, forgive me of any sin I may have committed. Father, please forgive me if there's anything I've not done that I should do. Let me ask you a question. What happens when we start getting specific about it? Do we know what it is? We do. But it's a lot easier for us to generalize it. It's a lot easier for us just to kind of lump it all together. You know, that's like walking up to somebody and saying, would you please forgive me if I offended you? Did you? Why don't we do things like this? Please forgive me. I did not. There was no intention on my behalf to offend you in any way. What about this? When we pray, Father, please forgive me of the sin of not reading and studying your word. Father, please forgive me for, and, and, and we get specific with God. 
Let me tell you what happens when you start praying that way and you get specific with God. Then let me tell you what starts happening in your life every day. You start becoming more attentive to them. Well, what did Joshua do? Well, look at verse number 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, he said, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? That's from God. Why are you on your face, Joshua? Notice what he says in verse 11. Israel's what? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things under the ban. They've stolen and, and, and they've deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies, for they have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. And notice what he says again in verse 13. Rise up, Joshua. Rise up, consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. And so in the morning, then you shall come near by your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And it shall be that the one who is taken with the things under the ban shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Whew. It's tough, isn't it? I think, I think today, I think we've, we kind of missed this. The God that is speaking to Joshua here, this same God that told Joshua to rise up, this same God that said, I'm not going to be with you any longer until this is taken care of, this same God that identifies and calls out exactly what, what has transpired. This same God that requires and demands worship and obedience is the same God that we serve today. And let me say something to you to this morning. God has not changed when it comes to this. Do we understand God's a holy God? When we come before him, when we come before his throne of grace, and I'm thankful that we come not on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But my dear friend, there is still sin in our lives if we're not careful. Unbelief is always content to settle for something less than God's best. That's where sin will lead to. Sin will lead to unbelief through the defeat and through the discouragement. And before long, we find ourselves on the other side. And let me, let me say this to you this morning. We're perfectly content then to rationalize away and to settle for the less than best of what God has to offer for us. Let me ask you a question. Why would we be willing to settle for less than what God has for us in his best? Then number three, sin reveals what is in our hearts. <laughs> That's a tough one. 
sin reveals what is in our hearts. Because oftentimes the sin is manifested on the outside. It is seen as a result of our own attitudes. And it shows us what is inside of our hearts. We'll look beginning in verse 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near by tribes. The tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah near. And he took the family of the Zerahites. And he brought the family of the Zerahites near man by man. And Zabdi was taken. He brought his household near man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw the spoil." Beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight. Then I coveted them and I took them. Let me tell you what you see in verse number 21. Is the path that all sin travels down. Matter of fact, 1 John chapter 2 gives us a description of it. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's exactly what you see here in verse 21. That's exactly where Achan was. That's where sin leads us to. Sin comes as a result of that. Sin comes as a result of the lust of the eyes. Comes as a result of the lust of the flesh. It comes as a result of the pride of life. Hey, we don't need to send anybody up to AI. We got this thing covered. There's no way they can stand against us after coming off of the battle in Jericho. We got this thing We've got this thing done. We've got, it, we've got it all taken care of. Let me ask you one simple question. When you come away from chapter 6 to chapter 7, did Joshua and Israel spend any time before the Lord, before they made their way up to Ai? They didn't. They just continued on. They went on to Ai. And they began to mount up this attack against Ai. Unbeknownst to me that there was a problem, there was a situation in the camp that had to be dealt with. What about the heart? That's a heart issue. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14. It's a heart issue. Sin's always a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And it all boils down at the end of the day, it's a heart issue. And it's interesting is. We find recorded for us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the last two verses of that chapter. And I want you to notice what it says. The conclusion. And here, here, here is the conclusion. When all has been heard is, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. My dear friend, there's nothing that can be hidden from him. If we believe that God is omniscient, that he's all-knowing, that he is 
omnipotent. He's all-powerful. If we believe those things about God, then there's nothing in our lives that's hid from him. So sometimes in our life, it just, it, it's something that we ought to do every single day is just to come clean with God. And to make sure that that relationship with God is where it needs to be. As a believer, I know we struggle with sin. All of us do. Did the children of Israel struggle with it? Sure, this isn't the end of it. Just keep reading the Old Testament. Over and over and over again, they struggled with it. Did Paul struggle with it? He did. When you read Romans chapter number 7, you'll find where Paul spoke about it in his own life. Sin is a struggle. But oftentimes, sin is such a struggle in our life, and we become defeated by it we become discouraged by it and oftentimes it begins to affect our life because it affects our heart that appears on the outside and before long we find ourselves in a place that we just don't want to be so what are some of the things that we can do to help keep us from walking down that path or staying there when we get there well what about this one Paul writing to the church at Ephesus He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world. And Paul goes on to write to put on the whole armor of God every single day from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. That ought to be a part of our lives and what we do. How often do we spend time? How many times do we spend in the word of God during the week or during the day? How often do we pray? How often do we spend time just going before the Father and, and going through our day and going through our lives and saying, you know, God, this is, this is where I am. I know I've sinned against you, and this is what I've done. This is what I've not done. God, I just need you to forgive me of my sin. I will tell you why. Because it's a heart issue. And it's just not something that we like to do. But it's so important in our life as a believer. So when we live our lives every day, who do we yield our lives to? Who do do we yield our lives to every day? And I'll say this to you. You say, "Well, well, Brother Robert, you know, sin is just a part of life. And God knows that. God knows I sin. God knows exactly what I do. God knows where I am. And God understands where I am. Well, I understand that, but let me ask you a question. It's the same question that Paul asked. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be, Paul writes. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? How how can that be? How can that be a part of our lives? If we're a believer... Paul asked the question, how then shall we who died to sin still live in it? And this is all out of Romans chapter number 6. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Verse 5 goes on to say, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. 
And then down in verse 14 of chapter 6, Paul goes on to say, For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. From the where? From the heart. To that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So is that where we are? We should no longer be slaves to sin. The reason that we find ourselves in that position is because we yield ourselves and allow ourselves to go there. And I'll just say this today. There are just some places and some things as believers we should just not even go there. Period. Sin is sin. Does it affect us today? It does. Can it affect our church? It can. Can it affect our relationship that we have with God in accomplishing what he has and his desire for us? It can. So the question today is, what had to occur with the children of Israel? What had to occur here in Joshua chapter 7? Well, it was dealt with. They went on from there to experience victory with Ai. But they had to take care of the issue of sin first. My dear friend today, I don't care who you are. If you're experiencing defeat and discouragement, just wonder sometimes if it's worth it. Just spend some time and get alone with God and just come clean with him. And let me say this to you also. If you're here today and don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior your sin has not been removed and done away with by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will struggle in life every single day because you're trying to do it on your own. Not popular, I know, but it's something that we all need to think about and we all need to consider in our own lives each and every day. Amen? Let's bow our heads together as we stand uh, for a time of reflection this morning. God has laid anything on your heart this morning. If you just need to come pray. Oh, by the way, uh, the altar is open now. Uh, if you want to come, you can pray. Time of invitation is here. Um, if you want to just for other reasons come this morning, whatever that may be, uh, the altar is open, and I will be here as well as we pray to God. Father, we thank you for the time this morning. And, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, just the difficulty that we see here. And Father, in Joshua, um, Father, in the difficulty that they experienced and found themselves in that day. And so, Father, I, I pray that we would examine our own hearts and lives. And, Father, just look inside. And Father, just to make sure that we're where we need to be. And Father, so as we walk our, our path in life each day, may we walk and live it to its fullest in what you have for us. 
Father, may we be what you desire of us, to be conformed to the image of your Son. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit, and I thank you for the Holy Spirit, to bring to our attention those things in our hearts and in our lives that should not be there. I thank you for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. And so, Father, I pray that we would surrender and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit in our lives each day. And I pray for the one that is struggling with life as a whole that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Father, I pray that they would understand and realize as a sinner how desperately they need Jesus Christ in their lives. And may they surrender their heart and life by faith, placing their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This time of of invitation we place into your hands this morning, praying that your perfect will be done through it all, and we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.